Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday. I'm here with Rohan Chakravarti. Or Chakravarti. Do I say Sha or Cha? Cha. Chakravarti. Chakravarti. I should know this by now. We've been doing shows for like uh, over a year now. I got it. I apologize, Rohan. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, man. I, I got a lot on my mind. I want to get everybody's take. It's time to get real here. We're always going to start off with a positive vibe, but then we're going to talk about some realistic stuff here. I mean, Trent Williams is key. I'm a little concerned about Trent Williams. Wilkes is coming down on the field. What that means, some Brock Purdy statistics that are uh, throwing me for a loop. And then the 49ers versus Jags preview. All that and more in about 20 seconds. Stay tuned. You're down, you're down, right, 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 Rohan, man, how you feeling, bro? How's life treating you, man? You're muted, brother. Well, it's good because I said a word probably shouldn't have said, but life's good, man. Uh, you know, doing good. Obviously, yeah. the it's a it's a busy time, but luckily the 49ers, they had a bye week. But as usual, they give us something to talk about. They trade for Chase Young last week. This week, I mean, we got a bevy of news in a way. We got injury news. We got different types of news. And so I'm just excited to break it all down with you. Yeah, man. Glad you're here as always, man. I love talking with you, and I liked it. Rohan is not afraid to give his take, even if we disagree. And we may or may not disagree uh, or, or agree today. We'll see what happens. But uh, I have some things on my mind that I wanted to bring up. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Real quick, I got to mention the sponsors because I appreciate them very much and it helps support the channel. What's, what's today's day today, man? Today is the 9th, I believe. The 9th. Awesome, man. I'm about seven days from being able to reapply for my monetization it's been a long three months, but I'm almost there. In the meantime, this is how I'm going to pay the bills. Uh, the Ryan G. Hensley Show is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code Hensley. They will match up to $100 of your initial deposit. If you missed it, I'm sorry, but they were for a limited time there. They were matching up to $500 of your deposit. Now it's just back to the regular $100, which almost all the other sites are doing as well. But please, if you're going to do it, use Underdog Fantasy, and it helps me a lot, and it helps you if you use the promo code Hensley. I would very much appreciate it. Also, Blue Water Credit is a fantastic credit repair company. If you need your credit repaired, reach out to them. The details are in the description. Click the link. Fill out the form. Let them know that Ryan G. Hensley, uh, Ryan G. Hensley, that's my name. Let them know that I sent you, and they will give you a free evaluation, no cost at all. They'll run your credit, let you know what they can do for you, and then they'll tell you how much it's going to cost you and what they can do, and you can make a decision whether you want to use them or not. Also, Hensley, real estate and mortgage uh, and solar, I can help you find a home. I can help you qualify for a loan for that home. And then when you buy the home, I can put solar on it. So it's like the trifecta of experiences. I've actually helped over the last year. I think I've helped probably six or seven 49er fans strictly from YouTube or Twitter 
and it's been uh you know very much appreciated i appreciate everybody who uses me as their mortgage lender or real estate broker or who gets older thank you guys very much all right all that good stuff is out of the way make sure you guys like this video for me that would be very much appreciated uh and subscribe to my channel not only my channel but rohan's uh details in the description where you can subscribe to rohan's channel also real quick ro let's let's say what's up to the people man there's a lot of people here uh always love the morning yeah yeah man red jack says good morning all nice to see you gold dirty bastards responding to the name of the of, of the show which is and he says trent is a big key especially because banks is out if both are out uh the the left which is our strength becomes our weakness yeah we're going to talk about that in detail here gold dirty bastard uh good morning let's go says tia what's up tia nice to see you hope everyone is well uh james Wells says it seems like trent isn't ready to go or at least be significantly hindered in his usual physicality. Yeah, we're going to talk about that, man. It's uh, it's a concern for me. Romelo Bell says, what's good, brothers? Nice to see you. Moon Man, uh, they're all under Mike Shanahan, GM. Good morning. They're all under the Mike Shanahan. Good morning. I'm not sure what that means, brother. Maybe I missed something. Uh, Paris Bell says, good morning, big dog. Ryan in the row. Let's go. Rick Diaz says, I have a question for both of these. What do you think? Should the Niners sign Chase Young for two years contract? I would like that. Let me star this one, man, and we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Yeah, we'll we'll hit that one up, man. Uh, I promise you, brother. Um, there's a lot of people in here, and I don't want to um, delay further. I got a hard out today at 10 o'clock. I'm jumping on someone else's show. So let's dive into the show itself, um, and we'll get back to, to your question, my friend. All right, sir. I'm a little concerned, man. Um, Trent Williams, brother. Uh Kyle Shannon came on uh, yesterday. I believe he was uh, in a press conference talking about Trent Williams' injury. He's been out four weeks now. He said, you know, originally it looked like a low ankle sprain, but there's something going on more than that. Trent Williams has a long history with that particular ankle uh, surgery and hindering him throughout the season. I am extremely concerned, man. Like, I don't um, I don't know outside of Trent Williams if there's a more important player for this 49ers team particularly on the side, maybe CMC, maybe Brock Purdy. But those three guys are probably the most important players on this team as yeah. far as the, the outcome. And if Trent Williams is, is operating on a bad ankle, like for one, is he going to play Sunday? That's that's question one. And maybe he will. But even if he does play, is he going to be 100% Sunday? Is he going to be 100% for the rest of the season? I'm worried about it, man. I want to get your take on Trent Williams, bro. So right now, with the way the 49ers are handling it, it appears they want 100% for Trent Williams to get 100% healthy. That I think that's the goal. I think outside of that, they're going to, you know, they're they're going to make sure that that happens before they put him back on the field. To be, I'm not a doctor or anything, but to be honest, I think the one thing that really screwed the process up was probably him playing through the injury the entire game against what was it, Cleveland? or yeah. I, I believe Cleveland, probably yeah. him playing through the entire injury and not wanting to come off the sidelines probably hindered him more than we anticipated, understanding how it's taking to heal. And Kyle Shanahan said it straight up. I mean, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's high ankle, but it does take a couple of weeks to heal um, or a, couple, a little bit longer to heal. Maybe you expect him to be back within three weeks. And this is, it's not only that it's three weeks, I mean, the bye week doesn't count as well. So it's going to be three, four weeks of game weeks, which is four to five weeks that he's actually missing. And so I do think if he misses Sunday, it is a concern. 
Do I think it's going to linger on for longer? Kyle Shanahan didn't sound like it should linger on for too much longer, but regardless, you do worry about the injuries. And I mean, this points back to what I said about the offseason. I think the 49ers needed to shore up their depth because of an issue like this, because you expect Trent Williams to miss three to four games a season or two to four games a season. And right now they are. I think Jalen Moore has done a good job, though. Uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to discredit him. I just think though, when you lose Trent Williams, it's not that he doesn't do a good job. It's just that the entire offensive line goes down because you don't have that key cog on that left side, especially the side that you ran so high with. And then now in the last three weeks, the run game has not been nearly to the fruition that it's been to the past. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, Jalen Moore's played. Okay. Uh, it's just, he's no Trent Williams at a hundred percent. I man, to me, it's like, if, so 49ers, they rely on, you know, defense. Obviously, we're going to talk about the defense in a little bit. Um, but when we're talking about the offensive side of the ball, the 49ers are run heavy. And particularly off that left side, outside zone to the left side is pretty predictable. But that's what 49ers do. That's what they've been doing. And Trent Williams is probably the most important part of that whole scheme. Running to the left side, outside zone, off of Trent Williams. That's what the 49ers do. Without him, they are a different beast. Uh, Jalen Moore is not Trent Williams. And Trent Williams has has had several injuries to this ankle throughout his career. And now he has another injury on that same ankle. And, uh, you know, Kyle brought up the history of his ankle. I'm concerned, man. I feel like he's going to play at some point this season, whether it's this week or not. But I don't know if he's going to be 100%, man, because – he played, I forget which season it was. He played for the entire season with a hurt ankle. He ended up having surgery after the season because he needed it the whole time. And he wasn't the Trent Williams that we're used to. He was a, a fraction of himself, maybe 80% of himself. Is 80% of Trent Williams, if that's the case? I mean, I'm hoping he just bounces back and he's 100% and he plays this weekend and we're good. But is 80% Trent Williams good enough for this team? Like, are they going to have success with 80% Trent Williams on the field? No. Um, I mean, well, let me rephrase. It depends. I, I do think you can, but I also don't know if that's in Trent Williams' best interests. I mean, the guy's yeah. pondering retirement a lot. You know, you you want to make sure that you, you do what's best for him as well as what's best for the program. I do think that today is the better indicator. If he's limited today, I think you have a, a you know a better sense that this is just a regular ankle injury. He missed three weeks and things like that. Because Shanahan said he's hopeful that Trent can go today. I don't really care that he missed yesterday because it you know Trent usually takes the the first day of practice those Wednesdays Wednesdays off with vet days, but he again has the ankle injury uh, injury. So we'll definitely see how it goes. But at the moment, you, you I mean it's not like you can deny that. When Shanahan says it's taking longer than you anticipate because of his ankle injury history, that that's just water under the bridge. So I do like the point that you bring up the concern. I do think that there is optimism, and I don't know if this, I don't know if, um, you know, it's going to be something that lingers throughout the season because at the moment, like I said at the beginning, I do think the 49ers are going to wait till he's 100% to get him on the field in a game situation. That's kind of where I'm, uh, where I'm feeling with this, but there is a concern inherently with there. Yeah, Johnny says Trent never practices Wednesday. We know that, but he hasn't practiced Tuesday. He hasn't practiced in four weeks. And Kyle just said, I, I'm hopeful that he practices tomorrow. So we'll find out shortly if he's practicing today. If he does, that's a good sign. 
Um, I don't know how confident I am he's going to practice today. We'll see, man. I just – look, Aaron Banks is out this week. He's not going to play against the Jags. If you have no Aaron Banks at left guard, who's the second-best tackle on the 49ers offensive line, and then you have no Trent Williams, mm-hmm. I'm discouraged for Sunday, man. We're going to talk about the game later on. But I'm not only dis- discouraged for Sunday, but, man, if Trent Williams – I'm telling you guys, he is probably the top three most important players on this team. And oh, if, yeah. if Trent and, Williams, In terms of importance, I'd honestly put him at number one over McCaffrey, over Purdy. Not most valuable. Like when you talk about most valuable player, I do think that there are other pieces that move offense. But in terms of yeah. most important, because of the drop-off um, in terms of talent, he's number one, in my opinion. And it also makes you wonder how, how many seasons we got left with Trent. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm i a big fan of Trent Williams. He was talking about retirement last year. Uh, he's like, I don't even know if I'm going to come back. You know, he said that after the season was over. How, how many years we got left with Trent Williams, in your opinion? I think that we max have one more. Um, I think this could be his final year, but there could be a slight hope that, uh, you know, he comes back for one more, which is why I was so adamant that you don't move your first round pick at the trade deadline or even last off season. A lot of people wanted Jalen Johnson and guys like that. You do not move your first round pick because you need a tackle. And even if Trent Williams stays back for one year, you're going to draft a tackle. You're going to have that guy play it right and then potentially move to the left or even draft two tackles because you need tackle right now in this next draft. And Trent Williams, I mean, right now, I I, I don't know whether he retires at the end of this year, depending on this year, how, how this year goes, because it's pretty clear he wants that ring. But I think next year is his final year. If the 49ers don't get it done next year, you don't know how that window is going to end up uh, you know, extending and things like that. I think he's done next year for sure. Yeah, Josh says O-line has to be a priority of this draft, man. I've been screaming that for forever, dude. Like, when, when's the last time they really invested in this offensive line? Outside of what? When, when did they sign Trent Williams? Mike was McGlinchey, probably. Mike McGlinchey in 18. That was, 20, that was 2017, wasn't it? McGlinchey was 2018, 2018. Yeah, their second dude, draft. It's 2023. Like, that is crazy to me, man. Like, it is 2023. Yeah, no, I don't think they've had a first round uh, in the Shanahan regime because we had a couple of first round offensive linemen that did not work. Um, you know, Joshua Garnett and guys like that in the, uh, in the, in the previous regime. But in this regime, there's been one first round pick at offensive line, right? In 2018, because yeah. 19, you had Bosa, 20, you had Ayuk and Kinlaw, 21, you had Lance, and 22, um, you didn't have a first. You've had a couple. You've had Aaron Banks in the second round, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, you guys. I like to keep it real around here. I, you know, I'm not one of those. You can go to and Rohan does the same thing. You can go to a lot of different content creators if you just want fluff and and positive, encouraging words. I, I'm a positive person, but when it comes to the Niners, I'm a realist. I won a Super Bowl. It's been since 1994, 95 season since we've actually won a Super Bowl. It's been a long time. Rohan wasn't even born the last time the 49ers won a Super Bowl. Rohan wants to see the 49ers win a Super Bowl. And so do I, I. Have, I have zero in my uh in my lifetime. Um, you know, it'd be cool to see uh them in the bowl for once, but uh we'll see how it goes. Your Super Bowl experience, my kids' Super Bowl experience, is seeing the 49ers go and lose twice. That's your yeah. experience. My my experience before 2012 was Seeing the 49ers go to the Super Bowl five times and win every single time, that's a completely different experience. I want my kids, and I want Rohan to experience a Super Bowl win. So sometimes I get a little passionate about the things that uh, I see as frustrating that could prevent us from getting there. 
And one of those things is the neglectfulness from Kyle Shannon and John Lynch to, to beef up this offensive line. And it's just more accentuated when Trent Williams, we see these injuries with Trent Williams, and I'm concerned about it. Is he going to bounce back? So, look, hang in there with me. We'll get through it all in on a positive note, I promise. But right now, I'm just going to be real with you guys. I'm concerned about this season, not just this Jags game, but the long term because of this offensive line. And I was concerned before the season started in the same regard. I really expected them to invest, and they didn't. So let's move on, though, man. Let's talk about something else. Another concern of mine, hang in there with me, man. Um, I try to be a realist, and right now I'm seeing something that I, I want to get my guy Rohan's take on uh, because it is a concern for me. I want to know if you're concerned at all about this statistic I'm going to throw up. Two things real quick, two things I'm going to show you guys. The first one, if you're not watching, if you're just listening, I'm, I'm showing the – you know, it's a uh, 2023 QB findings of the open man. It shows <clears throat> how wide open basically the 49ers wide receivers are. If you're, if you're unable to watch and you're just listening, just trust me when I say this, Brock Purdy's receivers are so much more wide open than any other quarterback in the NFL by a wide margin. It's not even close. Credit Brandon IU, credit George Kittle, but credit Kyle Shanahan for dialing up the offense in this regard. But what we're looking at is Brock Purdy throwing two wide-ass open receivers. That's what I'm showing you on this chart. If you can't see it, trust me. Go look later on. And then I'm going to share this, and I want to get your take, man. I asked this morning, objectively, if you can do it, because I know a lot of Niner fans can't be objective when it comes to 49ers. So be it. I don't. It, it is what it is. I am objective. I try to be objective. I look at all the 49ers players the same way I look at all the NFL players when I analyze them. And I'm looking at Brock Purdy, who has the most wide-open receivers in the NFL by a huge margin. But then I also have to consider this. He's sixth in turnover-worthy plays. He's fourth in bad throw percentage. And he's 20th in on-target throw percentage. I'm concerned about that, man. Like, if you have the most wide-open wide receivers in the NFL, but you're sixth in turnover-worthy plays, fourth in bad throw percentage, and 20th, an on-target throw percentage? How am I supposed to believe that this guy is the future of the franchise right now? Again, he's young. I get it. He, he's a sophomore quarterback. He's not a rookie quarterback. Please stop saying that, everyone. Stop saying Brock Purdy is a sophomore, uh, a rookie quarterback. He's not. This is his second season. He's still young. He can grow. He can improve. I'm not saying he can't. But right now, what I'm seeing from these numbers that I just showed you, I'm a little concerned. Rohan, I want to get your take. I, I, I do think that there's reason for concern for sure. Um, I, I, I mean, you just pointed out the argument in the tweet, right? You can't just look at that and say, nah, I'm not concerned at all. Because when you look at it, you show the chart. The 49ers, I mean, we've known this, though. You don't need statistics to prove that the 49ers have open receivers. Brandon Ayuk has been a monster separator this year. Even Debo Samuel, but it's also in the way that he's utilized. Kyle Shanahan utilizes him to put him in open space. George Kittle has been a good separator as well this year, according to the statistics, getting about three yards of separation per route run. So, you know, there's been a lot of good in terms of separation for the 49ers this year. And then also, when you look at Brock Purdy, you look at the turnover where the play rate and things like that, it's an issue. And the issue last year was a lot of uh, a lot of those turnover worthy plays didn't end up didn't end up being turnovers. So his turnover rate was pretty low. He got lucky this year. It's more so regression to the mean. You see five interceptions. You see 
believe, what is it, one or two fumbles so far. So you see, um, you know, the turnovers kind of coming up. To me, here's how I do it, because I love statistics, but I also love watching the film and understanding what I try and see. Mm-hmm. I think it's a mix of both. I think Brock Purdy, for the most part in every game, has played pretty darn well. I think he's played pretty well in a lot of games. However, the issue when it comes to turnovers is you can play well for 95% of the game and turn the ball over one or two times, and that loses your team the game. Right now, Brock Purdy needs to find a way to channel in those turnovers because that's been the difference. You lose three games, he's throwing three touchdowns and five turnovers or five interceptions. He hadn't thrown an interception in the losses. And again, it's not like there weren't chances for him at times, but he hadn't thrown interceptions in those. And even in the Bengals game, you you, you can point to certain ga- certain points of certain games. He, he had a really good first half. He just obviously threw the two turnovers in the second half and things like that. You can point to circumstances and whatnot, but I do think that it's a twofold. One, the 49ers need to protect Brock Purdy better because when you look at his numbers under pressure this year, they haven't been that good. This uh, Over the last three games, Purdy's completing 50% of his passes under pressure. It's time to throw, and you expect the time to throw to be higher because, um, what do you call it? you're extending plays and things like that, but it's time to throw in the uh, when under pressure is higher than in the first five weeks over the last three weeks. It's been at least three seconds and been as high as 3.86 seconds in the Cincinnati game. And so you, you don't want, you know, you want to get the ball out quick. You also want the volume of when you're under pressure to be less, but the more important thing is Brock's also got to find a way to operate efficiently in the system without turnovers right now. That's the thing that he's going to have to navigate through. Do I think that there's cause for concern? Yes. Do I think there's reason or there's room for improvement? And can that actually happen? Absolutely. Because we've seen him play turnover free football. The issue is now you've got to be able to direct this path and kind of get it back on track. So another concern I've been talking about for a couple of days here, I've been on, I've been on my rant. So here's the thing. I want to see the 49ers with a passing attack like a, a legitimate passing attack. 49ers have not had that in I don't know how long. Uh, a little bit with Cap, I would say. But really, it's been since Jeff Garcia, which is in 2002, right? It's been a long time. Rohan was probably a, a baby the last time 49ers had a really good, solid passing attack. Uh, I was just having my first kid at that point. It's been a long time. And so I want to see it because here's the thing. I believe that if you want to win a Super Bowl in general, now there's always an exception to the rule, but the rule is, and if you look at and you analyze the Super Bowl winning teams over the last five, 10 years, uh, a majority of them have elite passing attacks. I did the analyzation of uh, passing attempts by quarterback. I think they've all been in the top three or four over the last five years as far as how much they're passing. Brock Purdy's passing 27. Uh, he has the 27th most attempts in the NFL. And I so I, this goes down to the philosophy here, right? Like a lot of you guys are talking about the offensive line. Well, that's Kyle Shanahan's fault. He hasn't invested in it. He doesn't think it's important as he does. He, he'd rather have pass rushers than pass protectors. He, he doesn't think that certain linemen fit his scheme because of the way he runs the ball with the outside zone. So he doesn't invest in these pass blocking linemen. This is all Kyle Shanahan's fault. Uh, now, is it Brock Purdy's fault? No, not necessarily. No, not at all. But Rohan brought up something, and I want to push back a little bit. Rohan said, hey, I saw Brock. He's been playing well a majority of the time, and this is true. But is it hard to play well when you have the most wide-open receivers in the NFL and you're barely asked to pass? Is that a challenge? 
I don't think it is. I think a lot of quarterbacks would play well when you have the most wide open ass receivers and you're barely asked to pass the ball. I, I, I don't. So I'm not convinced that Brock Purdy is the answer. I think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I laid out a point, my case on that on Grant Cohen's show of why he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo in almost every way. But do I think he's the answer to I think he's the real deal? Do I think he's the franchise quarterback right now? I would say no, if I'm being real. And I'm frustrated because I feel like we're doing the same shit over and over again. And we're going to end up with the same results. Kyle Shannon doesn't believe in passing the ball, so he doesn't invest in offensive linemen. And he thinks he can get by with a quarterback that just runs his offense as opposed to finding a quarterback that has real freaking talent that can put the team on his back and carry him. And I feel like we're going to go through the same thing this year. We're going to win a lot of games because this run game is potent when it's clicking. The defense is potent when it's clicking. They'll win a lot of games. They'll get to the postseason. And then at some point, the game will come down to Brock Purdy. And so far, I haven't seen that he's that guy. And that's why I'm concerned. I'm sorry if I'm a little uh, passionate about it this morning, but that's just how I, I like feel, it. bro. I like it. And I do think that you bring up a valid point. When I said, you know, oh, he's been playing pretty darn well, I didn't mean that as an excuse. I just meant it as you can't play pretty darn well for 75% of the game because that other portion of the game where you're not playing pretty darn well, well, that ends up being, you know, the reason your team loses the game. But I think I have two intriguing points. One is a little off topic, but it's based on something I saw you tweet the other day. And then one is directly to this. I mean, I was early on this when I said in the offseason, I don't think the 49ers have a Super Bowl team right now. A lot of people said, like, you know, especially given Purdy's year last year, because I said it's directly attributed to the quarterback. There are issues on this team. I pointed out a lot of them. I thought the run defense was going to be worse this year. They have. I thought, you know, the offensive line was going to be worse this year. I, I thought they were top 10 last year prior to the season starting. I did not think they were going to be near top 10 this year. I thought they were going to be around 15. And I think that they've probably been even worse than 15 at the moment. And so I thought those two were definitely going to be, I thought they were going to be worse. And so far they have, but I thought the main reason the 49ers were not going to win a Super Bowl in 2023 is because of the quarterback. Does that mean I think the quarterback is so bad that he's going to hinder them from winning a Super Bowl or getting there? No, I think the 49ers can absolutely get to a Super Bowl. I think they can get to the NFC Championship game and do the things they've been doing in the past however when it comes down to those key moments in the game at the moment i have yet to see brock purdy show me that he can be that guy i didn't think that in the offseason i didn't think that now and that's not for me to say he can't be a franchise guy we'll see because again i'm never going to count out a gay a guy after nine games i don't think that that's the way that i do my quarterback evaluations but through what i've seen and through what I believe is going to happen this year. I just don't see the 49ers winning a Super Bowl because of what happened, uh, you know, because of the quarterback position. And that's something that I've stood on since the beginning. The second point that I want to make, and I'm curious to hear what you have to say about it, is it's the tweet that you said about, I believe it was Kirk Cousins. If Kirk Cousins was on this team, mm-hmm. would, uh, you know, what would happen at quarterback uh, and would the 49ers throw more? Mm-hmm. Kirk- I don't think the 49ers would throw more if Kirk Cousins was the quarterback. I honestly think um, when you talk about balance, the 49ers throw the ball, I think it's like 27th or 30 or whatever it is. 31st. 31st, 31st, because they're second most in rushing play percentage, but Mm -hmm. they're running the ball 50% of the time and throwing 50% of the time. Like it's an even split. And I've learned this 
through talking with coaches and things like that, balance doesn't mean 50 run, 50 pass. Balance means finding a way to get the ball to your best players. But they do have a really good weapon in Christian McCaffrey. And funny enough, I personally thought that the reason that they've lost some of these games is because they've shied away from the run at times in the last three weeks. Again, McCaffrey's injured, so you can understand it. But I think they've shied away from the run at, uh, at times. I don't think they, they, they throw the ball less. Um, when you looked at it, I know Matt Ryan's attempts in 2016 were like in the, the somewhere in the middle, but the Matt Ryan's or the team's actual total attempts went, or average attempts per game or something like that was actually 26th. And so I think that they throw the ball the same amount. It's just the outcome might be a little different and you're more efficient with those opportunities that you get. Yeah. So when I say, when I think of balance, here's the thing. When I think of balance, I don't think of the 49ers. <laughs> when they're using CMC this damn much, that's not balanced. When you're not passing to George Kittle, who is an elite tight end in this in this league, when you're not utilizing him to his full capabilities, that's not balanced. When you're only targeting Brandon Ayuk three times in the red zone all season long, and he's the most wide-open receiver in the NFL, that's not balanced. Yes, they're, they're about 50-50. Yeah. So in, in that regard, they're 50-50. But when the rest of the NFL, if you're if you're looking great in this on a scale, when the rest of the NFL is passing way, way more than the 49ers, but the 49ers are like, no, nah, we're going to run the ball to CMC over and over and over again, or we're going to throw a screen pass to CMC, 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 CMC. It's not balanced. And that's what I mean. And in regards to my tweet about Kirk Cousins, I disagree. I think if Kirk Cousins was on this team, I think Kyle opens it up more. I think they pass – Oh, I know more. I, I think they, they, they open. Well, I don't know if they open it up more because, in my opinion, the looks are there. I think the downfield looks are there. I just think you hit yeah. more of a variety of passes. I don't think it's just deep shot after deep shot, but I think you hit more of a variety of passes and with more consistency. And so you that's what I mean by being more efficient. I think they execute at a higher level, but I think the attempts might be the same. What do you think? I think the attempts will be higher because I think – Kyle believes in Kirk Cousins. I think that's his epitome of what a great quarterback is. I think the attempts will be higher, and I think they would hit more. I think both is what I think. Uh, that's what I believe. But, you know, that's it's a hypothetical. Maybe we'll find out next year, <laughs> depending on what happens this year. Um, but, yeah, I do have concerns about Brock Purdy. For, for people that are unhappy in the chat, like Niners Worldwide, I see you, buddy. I've been very complimentary of Brock Purdy. I point out all the good things that he does over and over and over again. But right now, I'm being real and being honest about the concerns I have. So if, I don't know if it's the first time watching my show, but I always – my goal is to be honest and objective. When Brock yeah. Purdy is doing well and there's things he's doing good, I talk about it. When there's things I have concerns about, I talk about it. So it's not all going to be sunshine and rainbows and butterflies and cupcakes over here, just so you know. All right, man, let's talk about – let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving, bro. Wilkes is on the field. Difference maker for you or not? No, no. I mean, I said this prior to the bye. I don't really like this move that much. Why? Because Steve Wilkes said openly at the beginning of the season that he tends to get too excited on the sideline and distracts him from the actual game. That's why he prefers to coach from the booth. Right now, you're taking a coach who you want to believe in but has been struggling and taking him away from his comfortability from the booth. That's why 
when I talked about this prior to the bye where the defense's issues were, Steve Wilkes being in the booth was not one of them. It's more so his scheme and the way that he's been using players, but more, more importantly, how the players have been executing as well. You see a lot of missed tackles from the from the 49ers linebackers. You see a lot of different issues in that range. And so I think that execution and scheme has been an issue. For this move, I think the reason they do it, Shanahan said it's to communicate with the linebackers and try and get back to what they were doing in the past, which I understand. I mean, I think the 49ers are trying to find ways to replicate things in the past and just throwing things out there, trying to hope that works. But I also think this, more importantly, kind of tries to help Shanahan because I think he's going to have a little bit more input on the defense. And I think that him having direct communication with Wilkes on the sideline aids him aids him in helping Wilkes in that regard. But do I like the move? Not necessarily. You're taking a coach who's trying to find his footing outside of his comfortability midway through the season. You're, you're telling him you got to make the adjustment just like that within a span of two weeks after repping something, you know, for, for the last eight weeks or so. So I don't really like it, but uh, curious to see what kind of changes entail as a result. So here are my thoughts on it, brother. Like I can uh... – from a uh, experience standpoint, just as a high school basketball coach, right? I coached high school basketball and basketball for like 10 plus years. It's different from football is different from the NFL. It's not even close. So I can't, you know, I'm not trying to compare the two. Like it's the same thing, but like, I can't imagine not having that face-to-face -face personal relationship while I'm coaching. I think it's so important, not only because you build chemistry and you build relationships and you build trust that way by having that interaction that you don't get in the booth but also just the direct communica communication from the entire team and kyle shannon directly right there now yes wilkes can communicate to kyle shanahan and um, fred warner through the headset whenever he wants to but he can't communicate with those other guys from him up there and there's also a degree of separation now do i think this is going to fix the problem of them not being able to tackle no, I don't think so. Rob Stats Guerrero, who who I like, um, you know, and that's why they call him Stats. He brought out a great stat that the 49ers linebackers have three times as many missed tackles this year at this point in the season as they did last year yeah. at this point in the season. Yeah. And that's not on Steve Wilkes. I don't like everyone blaming Steve Wilkes. Now, I understand Steve Wilkes may like to see the field from the all-22 view of being in the booth, and I get that. And maybe that is going to be a problem if, you, if they bring him downfield. But if he can still call plays in the same manner, if he can still see everything in the same manner, then maybe the, the relationship part of coaching, which is important, and people underestimate, people really don't understand how important it is, the relationship, the chemistry that you build with your players. That's very important. And I think that's one thing D'Amico is really good at, Salo is really good at. And I don't know if Wilkes can be good at that, even if he's on the field. I'm not sure, but I think he has a better chance of being that way on the field. I reported what a source told me in regards to the players not being bought into Steve Wilkes. And maybe some of that can be corrected if he's on the field with them all game and seeing them communicating with them. It's a possibility. Again, I don't know if this is going to fix anything. I think it's more likely to either do nothing or fix something than it is to hurt. But again, I could be wrong. Maybe Wilkes just can't call defensive plays from the sideline. Maybe he really needs to be above seeing everything for him to be most successful. But I honestly think that communication, that relationship building that he's going to get being on the sideline could be a positive. Am I tripping? No, I, I do think that that's a value. 
uh, I think that, you know, the communication aspect is good. And I agree with you. I don't think this hurts the 49ers defense. And ultimately, regardless of whether they made this move, I do believe they right the ship. I do believe they turn it around. And defensively, I think they that, that it's going to work. So people might see, you know, the spark defensively and then just attributed it to specifically to this move. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. I think the move, I mean, I think the, you know, the improvements defensively are going to happen regardless. And so curious to see how it goes. And um, yeah, I, I, but I do agree with you in that the connection uh, that like the, the personal aspect of it, I do think that'll improve because you can directly talk to the guy. You don't got to call him on the phone and you can talk to him to a higher record more often because he's right there, right? Steve Wilkes is right there. So it's, it improves communication and probably brings out a little more of the leadership aspect from Steve Wilkes. Yeah. And Pete brings up a good point. And the, the really, he says, I think the entire team likes raw rough from the coaching staff. So first of all, they shouldn't need that at, as professional NFL players, but I feel like they might, I, they shouldn't need it, but it feels like this team. I think might we've gotten that. accustomed to having that on the right. staff to where when we don't have it, it's kind of just a normal coaching staff, you know? And um, so maybe, maybe, you know, you shouldn't need it, but that's what I guess maybe players might've been accustomed to in the past. Yeah. Cause for some reason, and I want to get your take on this too. Like for some reason, like let's take Wilkes out of it. The, the 49ers defense, according to Kyle Shanahan himself has looked slow and tired. They're missing tackles. Let's take Wilkes out of it. Or maybe Wilkes is part of it. I don't understand. I, I want to understand what your take is. Explain that to me. Why is this team looking tired and slow and missing tackles? Why? I, I want to get your best explanation, Ron. Yeah, I mean, just the level of play has gone down. I mean, that's really what it is. is it I athletically mean, or motivational? No, or what do you think I, it, is? it might be just motivation. It might be just, a, just the way the 49ers have been playing is sloppy. And, you know, I guess when you're when it's bad, it's bad on bad on bad because – I mean, you can say it to whatever reason you chalk it up to, but I also think players, I mean, fans hold certain players to a high standard, understanding what they can accomplish. And right now those players aren't playing at that high standard. You talk about the the missed tackles for the linebackers. I mean, they're at, I believe, 31 through eight games combined. That's yeah. unacceptable. This is a group where Fred Warner and Dre, well, Greenlaw has missed tackles at times in the past, but Fred Warner has rarely missed tackles. You're missing guys. They also might be missing some of their leadership on that defense. A leader on that defense last year was Jimmy Ward. I mean, that's a guy who's not there anymore. So you might, yeah. you know, you're, it's not like you don't have older guys, right? Deshaun Gibson's there, but that's Jimmy quiet. Ward was a guy who you had on this team. He was the longest tenured Niner, nine years before he left. So you might be missing some of that leadership. But frankly, I, I don't know exactly the reason. It could be motivation, it could be things like that. But when you look at the tape, it's just some missed execution errors. And I think that when you get one error or another error, it just boils down and trickles down to the rest of the defense. And that's why you see some bad on bad on bad. Because it's not like the 49ers defense is just playing horrendously. But you, when you get them into third and long situations, they've been converting 50% of the time or so, you know, uh, at least in the, in the losing streak and things like that. And so those are things where you just can't allow it to happen. And then sometimes defense doesn't, doesn't allow it to get to third, uh, you know, third down at all. And yeah. so I think it's more so a case of when something bad happens, it's spiraling right now. And that's what's causing the defense to kind of have some issues. 
Yeah, let, let's get to. Uh, I saved the, I saved your comment from earlier, uh, my guy Rick. Uh, he says I have a question for both of these, both of us. I imagine. What do you think? Should the 49ers sign Chase Young for a two years contract? I would like that. Well, since we're talking defense, what's your take on that, Ro? Um, probably. I mean, I would like it. I just don't think it's going to happen. Correct. When you talk about Chase Young. He's going to command a pretty solid salary, I would assume. I mean, you see these rotational pieces get at least $10 million, $9 million annually. Charles O'Menehue, a pass, you know, pure pass rush specialist, got, I believe it was eight a year from uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. Samson Ebucom, a guy who's more of a good run defender and an average at, uh, you know, at pass rushing, he got three years, 33 or $27 million. He got a good salary as well. You're seeing these guys get some good money, and so – the reason that I don't believe the 49ers can do it is because I don't know if they can pay that many defensive linemen on their team, especially when you consider the, you know, the way that Nick Bosa's contract is going to go up. Nick Bosa, in a way, is just two defensive line contracts in one. That's the way that you look at it. I just don't know if they can afford it. And you can point to, yeah, they have $40 million in cap space and things like that, but cap hits continue to increase. You also have to deal with a Brandon Ayuk extension, which might not impact your, your near future, but it'll impact years two, three, four, five, or two, three, four, however that deal goes. So I just don't think monetarily it makes sense. And I do believe the 49ers, at least themselves, believe that they can find replacements for a guy like Chase Young via the draft or somewhere. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's going to end up happening. Um, and let, the only way it happens to me is if Chase Young absolutely doesn't do anything. And, and then at that point, do you really want him? Because he's going to outplay – he's going to play so well. He's going to uh, – outplay the 49ers ability to pay him in my opinion i think he's going to be too expensive to answer your question rohan let me get your take on this real quick and then we'll move on to um the game but 49 what's the bigger problem to you right now is it the 49ers offense or the 49ers defense that's a good question I in think the losses and what's yeah. caught, what has caused the losses to you Oh, in the losses. Oh, that's a better question. Um, the offense. You can't score 17 points three weeks in a row. You can't. Yeah. That's that's unacceptable. Um, I, I think overall, if you look at it overall, I think both sides have their respective issues. The 49ers offense, the reason they worked so well in the first five weeks was just explosive plays. They they got away from something you know, they were get, able to get away with the little mistakes and the small execution moves because they were hitting explosive play after explosive play. The 49ers defense, on the other hand, I mean some of the issues were schematic. Some of the issues are, um, you know, execution and things like that. I think all the issues overall are fixable. But if you talk about the losses, I mean, the first loss, the defense played great. I mean, they held Cleveland to, to 19 points or whatever. The 40 energy, you got to score more than 19 points. And you had opportunity, excuse me, opportunities to. Uh, the second game, I mean, the defense didn't play well, but they didn't break. They only gave up 22 points or uh, yeah, I believe 22 points. They, they they gave up a lot of scoring drives, but they gave up a lot of field goals. The offense, again, you had opportunities against one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and they couldn't pull it together, 17 points. And then in Cincinnati, I mean, 17 points isn't going to cut it. You have two interceptions in opposing territory. You got another fumble. You know, that, that just isn't going to cut it. So to me, it's the offense. You can't score 17 in three straight games. I agree 100%, man. I, I just – I know the defense get on a lot of blame and, you know, they have not played perfect by any means, but you're talking 19 points, 22 points. If you're, if you're, if you, you know, before you go into the game, if you would tell, you know, 49ers fans, Hey, the 49ers are going to hold this team to seven or to 19 points. Are we going to win? Everyone would say, yes, absolutely. We're going to win. 
You said they're going to hold them to 22 points. They're going to say, yes, absolutely, they're going to win. I I put a majority of this this on the offense, and I'm going to be real. Another People aren't going to like it. People aren't going to like it. But you can't turn the ball over. You cannot turn the ball over in the situation that's on Brock Purdy. It is. Brock Purdy is the quarterback of the team. I don't consider wins and losses a QB stat necessarily. But I will say that QBs are highly responsible for, you know, it's the most important position in sports. Uh, and as far as the outcome of the games, it's not always all 100% on them, right? Things can happen. But Brock Purdy folded in those last two games. He absolutely folded at the end of the last two games. There's no way around it. It has to be said, if Brock Purdy doesn't turn the ball over, we probably win at least one of those games, if not both. So ultimately, I think the offense is the biggest concern. And Brock Purdy's got to step up and not turn the ball over. It's that simple. If he doesn't turn the ball over, he's turned the ball over five times in the last five quarters, six times in the last three games, interceptions and, and fumbling. Yeah. that you, you just can't do that and expect to win the, the game. You just can't. And so Brock Purdy has to have some accountability here. He's been responsible for a couple of the losses. Now, the first one against the Browns, he did, had a horrible day, but really they put him in the position to win. Moody missed it. But as a team, you can't just rely on one kick to win or lose a game. That shouldn't be acceptable for you. You, you got to do better. And Brock Purdy just didn't do good against the Browns defense, who, who did play really, really well. So it's everybody all involved. It's te- their team losses. But if we're being real, Brock Purdy has to not do what he's been doing the last couple games. And hopefully he can bounce back against the Jaguars. Look, man, when I when I tell everybody, like, my, my feelings on Brock Purdy and me thinking he's not this or not that or can't do this or can't do that, as a Niner fan, I would love to be wrong as hell. I would love to be proven wrong. I would much rather the 49ers win a Super Bowl and me be wrong than me be right and the 49ers lose a Super Bowl. I don't I, – I, I care less about being right. I would much rather see have my kids and Rohan, my guy here, see the 49ers win a Super Bowl. Let's talk about this Jaguars game, man. It's coming up. Um, 49ers traveling to Jacksonville to play a Jaguars team that's won five games in a row. Niners have lost three in a row. <coughs> Could be no, definitely not going to be Aaron Banks. I'm pretty sure. Uh, most, I don't. Who knows? Who knows about Trent Williams? We'll see. Give me the preview of this game. What's this game going to look like? How's it going to play out? Don't tell me the score. I'm going to ask you that next. Yeah, but I mean, I think if you look at this game, I think the big challenge for. Uh, the 49ers, I think, is going to be the way this defense matches up against that offense. Why do I say that? Well, the Jaguars had a pretty darn good offensive line prior to the trade for Ezra Cleveland. That only you know bolsters their offensive line. They got him for cheap, uh, a sixth-round pick. I mean, I wish the 49ers would have done that. You slide him in there probably at either guard – or not a guard spot. Well, you get now either guard spot with Banks injured, but they get him. They've got a good offensive line. I think overall the team, when you look at the complexion of it, it's good. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a top quarterback in the league. He's gone through some ups and downs, as you expect from any quarterback, but he's a top quarterback, and I think that he can beat you in all levels of the field. They've got three solid receivers. Calvin Ridley's a, a, a very good route runner. Christian Kirk is good as well, and Zay Jones. I mean, those are three different guys that you got to cover, and I think that Jacksonville has done a good job of uh, you know featuring all three of them. And then in the run game, the offensive line is good. And while ETN's efficiency hasn't been great, it's been a good season for ETN. I mean, he's been able to break away for some explosive plays, and that's been hurting the 49ers in the past, those explosive type of plays. And so I do think that that offense 
is going to pose a good challenge for this defense. So it's a good test of how truly this defense changed because I think that offense is good. On the other side of the ball, I think the Jaguars' defense is intriguing. Um, I, I do think that that's a good defense again. I think that that's another good defense. Um, but I, I, I do I, – I think Trent Williams is going to be integral to this game. And I, I like that you brought him up at the beginning of the show because the Jaguars are really they, – they're, they're bolstered by Josh Allen. They're, they're uh, their top pass rusher, not the quarterback, but the defensive end. They're bolstered by their top pass rusher, Josh Allen. He has nine sacks on the season. He has 39 pressures, about five a game so far. That far outpaces the remainder of his team. Trayvon Walker is second with 25 and three and a half sacks. So when you look at it, I mean, the Jaguars have been, you know, they've been solid, but it's Josh Allen that's been doing a lot of the work defensively on that defensive line. And so if you have Trent Williams there, I mean, that alleviates at least one half of the field. You can game plan for that and things like that. But I'm definitely curious to see how this one goes. I do think that both sides of the ball for the 49ers should get back on track, but it nonetheless is it's an imposing challenge for sure, given this Jaguars team who's already six and two on the season. Yeah, I'm gonna give my take in a second, but real quick, Z Niner, what's the name of the show? What is the name of the show? Ryan ignores the fact that we have no O-line the last three games. What is the name of the show? What is the thumbnail for the show? I, if you, I don't know if you missed it. You came here late, but that's all I talked about for 15 minutes, brother. Nobody's so ignoring. Go to the beginning because I, Trent Williams, like I just mentioned, that was our conversation to start. Dog, I'm real about the O line, and I'm also real about Brock Purdy. Just my opinion doesn't mean they're right. I could be wrong, um, but I'm giving you my honest take, my honest opinion. And so, Ro, I agree with your takes on this 49ers Jags game, man. Uh, honestly, if you can't stop. I don't even know how to say his name. Etni. How do you say his name? Etn. Yeah, Etn. He's at, he's having a good season. He's 500 plus rushing yards already. Not too far off from Seems Lee, believe it or not. Uh, he's actually had a good season. If 49ers can't stop him, it's a problem. My biggest problem, the biggest matchup that I'm going to be looking for on Christian Kirk versus Isaiah Oliver. If he's still the slot, do you think Isaiah Oliver is going to be the slot in this game, or do you think they're going to make a move for Womack? What do you think is going to happen? I think it's too early to make a move. And I, I said this uh, on a show with Vish last week. It's a hot take. It could absolutely boil over in my face. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think Womack's going to be the guy. I think if if anybody, and I know how, like I know it's, it's a far-fetched idea, but my bold take is that if anybody ends up unseating Isaiah Oliver, it would actually be Darrell Luter. Uh, Luter hasn't practiced much. He's a rookie. He's a fifth-round rookie at that. And given the way Shanahan spoke the other day, I, I don't imagine that there's going to be a change at all but i just think looter's a better fit for wilkes's scheme the press man scheme he's uh, what do you call it he's taller i think he fits better on the outside whereas womack right now with his height i just don't know if that's the best uh the best look overall i think he's a better gunner a better special teamer yeah and i think they both probably would end up carving out a role on special teams instead but this week, yeah, I don't see a, I don't see a change. I think it's way too early. I I, don't, I honestly don't envision a change probably for the next three weeks at earliest. So here's what I think is going to happen, and it, um, Wilkes hinted at it before the season. They they talked to him about the nickel spot, and he said he could use like a hybrid, like where you use Isaiah Oliver on certain downs against certain matchups, and then you use Sam Womack or Luter on certain uh, downs and certain matchups. I think we're going to see that. I I think that at some point we are going to see uh, Womack inserted in this game. Certain matchups, certain times, certain downs, distances. 
Um, because if they just simply rely on Isaiah Oliver for every every time Nichols in there, they're gonna get cooked, man. Isaiah Oliver's had a look, he's made some big tackles in crucial moments. Um, but in general, he's getting his ass whooped in coverage. And the Jags know this. And if they continue to throw out Isaiah Oliver, Christian Kirk's gonna go off. He's on my fantasy team. I've been watching Kirk all season, monitoring his numbers. That guy can get can go off. He's the leading receiver for the Jags, man. I if they let Isaiah Oliver call, cover Kirk, it's going to be a long day for the 49ers. Uh, I'm concerned about it. Also, something to think on the other side of the ball, the Jaguars defense, I don't know. Like a lot of people are, have mixed feelings about them, but they do give up the least amount of explosive plays. So they might bend a little bit, but they're not going to break. The 49ers haven't had a ton of explosive plays, at least in the passing game. You know, they've all come from the running game where, uh, you know, CMC will break out but in general like here's another weird stat too right and this isn't necessarily a Brock Purdy thing but the, Brock Purdy if, if you look at the long touchdown plays long touchdown passes for quarterbacks in the NFL Brock Purdy's ranked 42nd which <laughs> that means 10 backup quarterbacks have more explosive touchdown passes than Brock Purdy mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't necessarily like Brock Purdy. It can mean both ways, right? Brock Purdy can come out, throw a five yard screen, dump off the Debo. Debo can take his 75 yards. And now all of a sudden, Brock Purdy jumps way up there to no, to no like glory of Brock Purdy's, right? He didn't really do anything but drop off five yards. Um, but also, it can go the other way. Maybe he's not just throwing the ball further enough downfield. I know he's great over 20 yards, but he's really not pushing it that far beyond that very often. Maybe that's on Kyle Shannon. Maybe it's on the receivers not being able to accumulate those yak yards like they have in the past. I don't know, but I do think that's an interesting statistic. Not very – it's not detrimental to Brock Purdy, that statistic, or even if he was good on there, it doesn't really mean much. But I did find it interesting, the 42nd in touchdown length. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's uh, pretty darn low. I, I'll say that. Um, when you talk about it, though, I think the reason probably is – I did a like I did a what do you call it a breakdown because I was curious right after the 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 Vish debate or whatever you want to call it um, yeah. with uh, the Brandon Ayuk thing so I, I yeah. did a breakdown I, I went yesterday and I broke down all of the red zone touches rushing receiving everything because I, I, I just wanted to see why is Ayuk not getting the ball and so when I looked at it well guess what the 49ers run the ball and an exorbitant amount in the red zone, but they also run the ball at a high rate. I mean, McCaffrey leads the, the league, right, in rushing yards and attempts and things like that. I mean, the 49ers like to push the ball that way, push the ball um, with the run game, and so that's probably why you don't have as, as many explosive plays. But I, it's intriguing because you, you do question that rate. You only three, I believe it's three explosive touchdowns or two explosive, whatever it might be, uh, overall. But the 49ers also have been so successful in the red zone. They go there 32 times, which is the second most in the NFL, and they've converted 21 times. They have a conversion rate in the red zone of, uh, I think it's 65%, which is fifth. And so you see the way that they work. You don't want it necessarily to be that way. And I also think explosive touchdowns are a little intriguing because you need like a you know 20-plus yard touchdown. It can't necessarily be – uh, 15, 17, it, it might not be, a, it can be a big play, but it's got to be like 20 plus or whatever. So I, I do think the statistics interesting, but I personally, the reason that I'm saying this is just, I find it intriguing 
how the 49ers can roll. You know, they're able to sustain good plays, get to the red zone, or even have explosive plays, but they get to the red zone, and then they kind of change their MO overall. Pounding the rock there. McCaffrey has 110 touches in, or 110 carries in the red zone, by far the most in the NFL, by 13. And so it's it's just intriguing the way that they use their offense. Yes, sir. All right, man. Let me get your take. Uh, I'm going to give mine my final take tomorrow. I'm going to give my prediction. My prediction for this game, I won't give my score. I'll give that tomorrow, and then I'll get yours. But my prediction for this game is if Trent Williams is there, 49ers win. If he's not, they're not going to win. That That's my take. I really think it's Trent Williams is that important to this game and to this team in general. So that's my prediction. I'll have a maybe a better score prediction tomorrow once I find out. Let's see if Trent Williams practices today and tomorrow and I'll know more, but what's your take? How do you see this, the outcome to this game? Yeah, I think this one's going to be a close one. I, I do think that both offenses will have their moments in this one. I, I do think the defense will, even, even if they show good improvement, I think they'll have a little bit of a tough time containing them uh, for portions of this game. So I'm going to go 27 to 21. Uh, what did I say last? I think it was 27-24. 27-24 is what I'm going to go in favor of the 49ers but Trent Williams again is a big one I'm assuming he's going to play um we'll see how that goes but yeah 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 I I I don't uh if Trent doesn't play I don't see us winning honestly I think he's that important but if he does I think we can pull it off it's going to be a close game either way that's my prediction I hope I'm wrong just like Case here says man I hope just because I'm if I speak negatively or I show concerns or I'm talking about things I don't like about this team doesn't mean I don't want them to win the Super Bowl every single year and I don't want them to win every single game because I absolutely do, just like Case here does as well. All right, man. Uh, I want to talk about something real quick. I forgot it in the beginning, but it's actually good to post this at the end. The positive vibe. Honesty is always the best policy, not just in, uh, you know, I'm doing it here today on the show and I understand like a lot of people aren't like it. Right. If I wanted to be, if I wanted to build this show to a, the highest level, like if I wanted to grow my followers and subscribers, I've noticed and I've seen, and I've witnessed people who started off telling the truth and honesty. And then they've figured out that the best way to grow is to cater to the audience. I'm not going to do that. I'm always going to be honest with you guys, whether you like it or not, that's what you can expect from the Ryan G. Hensley show. But I also practice this in real life. Honesty is always the best positive policy. Be po be honest with yourself. Be honest with everybody around you. And if people don't like you, that's fine because now you don't have to worry about people being around you who don't like the real you. Be honest about who you are. Be honest with everybody around you. Honesty is absolutely always the best policy. I 100% believe that. Rohan, what's your take? Absolutely. I think that this is important. And I think it's also just a way to keep yourself accountable. I mean, when you go about life. So definitely like today's uh, affirmation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, Rohan, uh, let everyone know the details are in the description where they can subscribe and follow uh, to you. But uh, let them know anyways here on the show. Yeah, I mean, you can find me. You search up my name on YouTube and on Twitter. You can find me there. Details, like Ryan said, are in the description, but I do want to give the moment to appreciate you for having me on. It's always a fun Thursday when we break things down here, keeping it real. So, guys in the chat, thank you guys so much for it, and gals in the chat, thank you guys so much for obviously tuning in, and Ryan, appreciate you. Yeah, man, appreciate all you guys coming, being in the chat. Thank you guys so much. Uh, shout out to all of you. Thank you. Tia says, preach. I'm too old for fake people in my life. 100, 100. I'm too old for that. Absolutely. 44 years old. Rohan, he's... 
he's young, but he's also too old for that. Even though he's young, uh, you guys are the best. I'm gonna jump on with. Uh, this is bad because I can't remember who I'm jumping on with. 49ers minded, I think, is who I'm jumping on with right now. So that's why I gotta go on the hour. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. I'm not sure who I'm gonna have on. Maybe Vish. We'll see. But I'll be back on same place, same time tomorrow at 9 a.m. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Rohan. I'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.